and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane and today I'm joined by the Sunday Mail's Scott McDermott. On the pod today we assess the latest transfer rumours as the Jers close in on new signings. We look back over a solid Rangers performance at Kilmarnock and ask does the top flight need to bin plastic pitches? And we preview Thursday night's Europa League qualifier against Ufa at Ibrox. Scott, so first of all, transfer news. You're the man. You're the man that I expect to tell me everything. You think? Go, go, go. <laughs> now, nah, obviously there's been a lot of discussion. Um, we've run it in the Daily Records, uh, so we'll just do it. And we'll start off with this one. It's uh, Ross McCormick, 32 years old, played 14 games for Rangers when he was a kid, memorably scored the equaliser in a Champions League game against Porto over in uh, Portugal. Um, had a decent career down south, Cardiff, Leeds, Fulham, scored goals at all these places and then made a big money move to Aston Villa. It hasn't worked out. He's now 32 and he's available on loan. Do you see him as someone that Gerard might fancy a wee crack at? I think he's someone that Steven Gerrard, if the name was put in front of him, he would consider it. Um, because, especially after Jamie Murphy's injury at the weekend, that... I think will probably alter Steven Gerrard's thinking when it comes to who he wants to bring in before the window closes. Um, even before Murphy's injury, I believed or I, or I thought Rangers needed to bring in another three players. I thought they needed a centre, a cover for centre back. I thought they needed a creative player in the final third, whether that be a wide player or a, someone playing off the front, and another striker. However. At the press conference last week, Stephen Gerrard made it quite clear that it was two players that he was looking for, that that cover at centre-back and a striker. Obviously now with Murphy looking as if he's going to be out for a, for a considerable period of time, that might make Gerrard look at a third, uh, trying to get a third guy in, and that would be a, a creative player like Murphy. And Ross McCormack certainly fills, would, would fit the bill because... No, he's a striker first and foremost, but he can also play off the front. He can play from wide. He's played all those positions before. Um, so when I saw the name mentioned, I thought, you know what, that might that might tick a few boxes. However, I know Ross McCormack pretty well. Uh, I know there's been no uh, no official contact from no, no contact from Rangers. Uh, it was kind of news to him certainly when when. That that kind of link was made. Do you um, think he'd welcome it? I think he would. Yep. I think. Listen, he's not playing football at Aston Villa. He's not played. He's not played a full game since January. I think when he was at uh, Melbourne City on loan. He's so far out of the picture that he doesn't even have a squad number at Aston Villa this season. So, on a personal level, he would look at any opportunity, and certainly. The chance to go and work at Rangers again and play under a guy like Gerard, especially when Rangers as a team and as a club seem to be back on the up again, I think it would really appeal to him. Um, the problem is, or the problem, uh, where I think the problem will be is when it comes to wages because, uh, I mean, I might be speculating, but I think you no know, Ross is probably on... No, fifty grand plus a week at Aston Villa. And that's my understanding as well. It's yeah. it's huge, and Villa, as much as they want him off the the wage bill, and I think Steve Bruce 
said last week that he'd asked the Villa board, the, the new Villa owners, to if they could somehow pay up the contract and let him go. That hasn't happened yet. So any team looking to take him in loan would be um, would be asked to pay some of his wage and at over fifty grand a week for a loan player, no, even if Rangers even even if Villa wanted someone to pay half of that, no clearly Rangers I think would would struggle with that for for a loan player at the, at this stage in the in the window. So that's where I think the problem will lie. There's questions about his attitude, isn't there? Because the famous story of why he's on the outs at Villa is because he said he couldn't come into training because his electric gate was closed and he couldn't he couldn't get out of the house. Steve Bruce turned up incandescent with rage. Yeah. You can only imagine the picture, but since then, the idea has sort of followed him around that he, he's a difficult guy to work with. But you actually look at his career and Rangers, Motherwell, Cardiff, Leeds film, he, he didn't have a problem at any of these it's, clubs. It, well, it, it was the hottest... No, he was the hottest uh, striker going in the championship a few years ago. I mean, everybody wanted him. He was valued at over ten million. I think he's in the top you know, twenty or so for for appearances and goals in the in the championship. Listen, I don't know what goes on behind closed doors. I don't know what his attitude has been like since going to Aston Villa. I know he was very, you know, he was delighted with that move at going to such a big club. He was he was excited about it. For one reason or another, it hasn't worked out. No, Steve Bruce clearly doesn't doesn't like the cut his jib. Uh, even when uh, McCormack went to Australia for that short loan period, he seemed to do very well. Scored a few goals. They, you know, the, the fans over there took to him. He's he's fit. He's lack, lacking match uh, match practice, obviously match sharpness. Um, but listen, we we don't know for certain if Rangers are are seriously interested. But if you were looking at a short-term Jamie Murphy replacement. He would certainly fit the bill because he's available, he's fit. It's just whether you can you can do the do the numbers in terms of wages. You mentioned uh, Jamie Murphy and his injury. Obviously, we don't know what the situation is with that yet and uh, we should probably shouldn't speculate too, too much on it in terms of it did look like it was a, a fairly serious injury at the time, but uh, obviously the Rangers medical staff will look at that and come back with the, the actual uh, prognosis for him. In terms of uh, a potential gap there in the in the left side of that Rangers midfield, there's been chat as well about Jordan Jones, who's obviously playing for Kilmarnock against Rangers. Um, and if that is a position that needs to be filled, you've got a guy there that I think Mark Allen is, is pretty keen on based on the length of speculation that's been following the lad around. I thought he was he's another good game against Rangers, there, uh, very direct and obviously got his assist for the Kelly goal. Do you think he's someone that could come in and make a difference to Rangers or is he someone that you think uh, maybe the, that ship has passed in terms of the level of quality that's now in that Rangers team? Again, I think because of the position he plays, because he's pretty much on Rangers' doorstep you know, at Kilmarnock and they'll have watched him at close quarters, he'll be somebody that they'll, they'll maybe look at. Um, me personally, I might not have seen enough of Jordan Jones. I don't know many Kelly games I've seen live in the last year or so. Um, he hasn't totally convinced me that he'd be capable of going to a club at Rangers and doing it at that level. Um, his pace is electric. We all know that. Everybody, every manager in this modern day now wants pace. It's, it's up there with the, you know, the first set of attributes they look at. They all want 
know, quick players, and he certainly comes into that category. Um, so, you would look at him. Personally, I think that there might be better options elsewhere. However, you know, would I be surprised if Rangers can have a wee nibble again at Kilmarnock? Probably not. If they decide they want a replacement for Murphy, as I say, there's a left winger in Jones on their doorstep <coughs> playing with a provincial club. <coughs> Excuse me. So they might be able to go and they might be able to go and make it happen. What about the saga of Kyle Lafferty, Scott? Do you feel like that's chuddering chunk? Is that a word? I don't know. Chundering, chundering, yeah. Towards is that? I don't even know if that's even the right word in the first <laughs> place. Is that moving towards a conclusion slowly? You would think so. Everything we're hearing is that it will eventually get done. Um, I think if you read between the lines of the quotes from everybody involved, Stephen Gerrard on Sunday seemed to indicate that it would that it would get done. Uh, that wasn't about, coy, was it? No, not about how highly <laughs> fluttering his eyelashes and stuff. <laughs> uh, Kyle Lafferty's comments himself after the Celtic game seemed to indicate that it was a move he wanted to make. And even Craig Levine, I think, immediately after the Celtic game as well, was asked, um, can you hold on to him? And he kind of said, well, I don't know. There was real there was real doubt there. So everything we're hearing is that it will eventually uh, lead to, to Kyle Lafferty coming back to, coming back to Rangers. I think he wants to make it happen. It's just... Again, down to finances, Rangers, well, you can be critical of them if you like, but you know, we've spent, or people have spent the last five or six years slating Rangers for spending money that they didn't have and paying over the odds for, for players, so I don't think you can be too harsh on them when they, they, they appear to be kind of watching their, watching their pennies and trying to trying to get the right deal for, for the club. I totally agree with you on that, Scott. That's absolutely on the money. However, there is a notable difference between a deal with Osijek, which took place like that, it yep. seemed to be, just so smooth and straightforward. Yep. 1.5 million. And then every time Rangers seem to get involved with uh, buying a player from a Scottish club, it becomes some sort of drawn-out saga. Is this a hangover of the, the last seven or eight years at Rangers, whereby... The Scottish clubs are just a little bit more reticent to be doing deals in terms of the structure of payments and things like that. What what is I, it? How do you explain it? I do think that's part of it. I mean that that is it is difficult to explain, but you're right. No, in years gone by when Katic was another one obviously, just went yeah, through so quickly. I mean years gone by and Rangers went and got your Kevin Thompsons and Whitakers for for Hibs and got players for other Scottish clubs there didn't seem to be that this kind of real haggling process going on and there didn't seem to be a kind of a real kind of public no the clubs didn't come out in public and say no we don't want to do this and no we want we want this kind of money and no it seemed to all get done behind closed doors and get done very quickly so I think there's part of that however with the la- no, you're making the comparison between Lafferty and Barisic. I mean, Barisic, when Rangers f- discovered that they could go and get Barisic, no, they've probably looked at his age, they've looked at his quality, they've looked at his international prospects with Croatia, and the difference is, no, Rangers will be looking at Borna Barisic and thinking, if we can keep this guy for two years, we could make a massive profit. No, if you're bringing him in for one and a half, two million. No, potentially, don't want to speak too soon, but no, I think 
it's oh, it's a creation international you, now. You, so you, you, why why shouldn't you be looking at it and thinking if we can uh, you know, if we can keep this guy for two years and he plays well, the Premier League clubs in England will come calling as they always do, and it will be you no know, crazy crazy money or it could be crazy money. The difference in Kyle Lafferty is he's older. He's got no sell-on value. No sell-on value. They're, they're bringing him in. Rangers want to bring him in at the moment to do a, a specific job uh, up front and use his experience, you know, his experience of being at Rangers and the levels he's played at, you know, international and, and and so forth. So I think it's a different, a different deal. I think Rangers know... The difference is here, Rangers know Kyle Lafferty wants to make that move and they're looking at his age they're looking at his contract situation and Rangers have decided here's a kind of ballpark to what we what we want to pay and no credit to them they're, they're sticking to their guns The other topic that I wanted to bring up was about Lee Wallace rather than talk about a potential centre half coming in because there doesn't seem to be a lot of uh, news on that front I noticed that Lee Wallace was uh, photographed in training um, first team training over the last couple of days, there's I think there's a video on Rangers TV that's come out today um, that shows him uh, sticking the ball in the back of the net actually and looking in, in decent shape. And I was just wondering what you felt about the chances of Lee coming back into this Rangers side. They're very very short in central defence. They've got the Katic and Golson who've obviously been fantastic in terms of the way they've settled in. They've got Ross McCrory in there, and beyond that, you're talking about maybe John Flanagan playing in there. Has Lee Wallace got the potential to be a left-sided centre-back, given that he's coming to the end, well, towards the end of his career? He could do it, Johnny, but I don't think it would be ideal mm. relying on Lee Wallace. And that's not a slight on, on Lee Wallace, who I think at his best is a terrific player. Um, I think Steven Gerrard desperately wants a proper centre-half to come in as cover. I know there was de- there, there is definite interest in Jack Simpson at Bournemouth, who to me ticks a lot of boxes because although he's on the fringes of the Bournemouth squad, he's not going to play very regularly for them. They've got a pretty settled back four. They've got a couple of decent defenders <coughs> as backups. This would be a loan deal, wouldn't it? So a Simpson loan deal would I think would be a good deal for Rangers if they can if they can get it done. He's a good age. He came into a Bournemouth team, he's come through their system, he played for them the first team last season in some cup games, uh, and Eddie Howe you know, rates him highly. If Rangers could get someone like that, whether it's Simpson or somebody of that ilk, in to challenge Goldson and Katic, then I think that would be the ideal scenario. I mean, Goldson and Katic have exceeded all expectations so far. I mean, let, let's be honest, Katic especially. Goldson has got most of the plaudits in the the kind of the first eight or nine games, and you wouldn't argue with that. But Goldson was a a Premier League defender, so you kind of knew what you were going to get from him. If no, if if he was making mistakes or didn't quite look the part, then you no, know, you would be asking questions. Katic came in as a young, twenty one years old, unknown Croat. Yeah. Um, not a lot of people had heard of him. People were making comparisons between him and Fabio Cardozo, saying. No, this guy could just could just be the same, inexperienced, take a bit of time to adapt to Scottish football. Well, <laughs> a completely different player, completely different character by by the looks of it, and looks as if he's been there all his life. However, you says he is only twenty one, 
Gerald will be thinking at some point I need to give this guy a break at, at 21 years old I think there will be games where he'll make a mistake there probably will be a period where um, he goes through a wee bit of a lull uh, and maybe doesn't play as well and it's at that point Gerard knows he needs a guy who can who can step in and well, I suppose you could go down the experienced route go for an older head you knowing the shape of kind of Clint Hill Davy Weir type but I don't think that'll be Gerard's style I think if he could get somebody like a Simpson uh, whether it's a loan deal or a, or a permanent who's going to put real pressure on the two centre-backs who, who are there. Wallace has played centre-back in the past, but not very often. So I don't think that would be the that would be an ideal scenario. Um, in terms of Wallace just coming back into the fold, all I know is, for a fact, is that Stephen Gerrard has had a conversation with Lee Wallace, or several conversations with Lee Wallace, and told him that if he is fully fit, and doing well in training, he'll be part of that squad and he'll, he'll be under consideration for the first team. Um, whether that materialises or not, who knows? Somebody might come in for Lee Wallace. Rangers might get an offer and think they're OK with a left-back situation with Flanagan or Barisic and let him go. But certainly, if he was to get fully fit, playing well in training, Gerard, no, if he... If he's still at Rangers, Gerard wants him to be part of the part of the squad. The problem for Lee Wallace, of course, is that Rangers now are extraordinarily strong compared yeah. to what they were in left back exactly. because they've got Flanagan there and they've got Barisic there. And to be honest, even a fully fit Lee Wallace is struggling against yeah. Barisic from what we've seen so far. I think and so. Flanagan is just one of those guys that is just going to give you six to eight out of ten every single week. Fl- Flanagan, so, see, just on Flanagan. I mean. Talking about Katic, you know, getting the, some of the plaudits. Flanagan, I think, has been outstanding in the games. You know, when he's flitted, be- I know a couple of times he's flitted between right back and left back, but he just looks to me like a guy who thrives on one-to-one defending in that wide area. And Rangers, even when they had Lee Wallace playing at his best, didn't really have that, especially with uh, Tavernier on the, on the other side. And Flanagan... I think has been a has been a revelation, and he and I know Gerrard's went public about trying to get Morelos on a another new contract, but I mean I'm looking at John Flanagan and his age, how he's played the first seven or eight games. I think Rangers have only got him in a, a two year. Two years. Yeah. Obviously, he was a free agent. I think already Gerrard will be looking at that, thinking, no, maybe we should we should make this a bit longer just to try and protect what I think is now a real asset for Rangers. Yeah, because he's already got an England cap, so if they can get him back to that yeah. kind of form, and it certainly certainly looks like he's he's on the way to being a really, really top-quality performer for Rangers. Um, in terms of the game itself, Scott, the big talking point uh, in terms of the Kelly game uh, at the weekend was the pitch. I think we've talked about it briefly before, but once again, I mean, I'd reiterate that I just think that at elite level... Plastic pitches just should be a no-no, uh, and the SPFL should, they should come together and basically say we are not allowing these at elite level. So when you come up, you have to change your pitch if you've got a plastic pitch, and it, it should be a non-negotiable. It should be like what it used to be with the ten thousand seater stadium, where a Falkirk get up and they've got a plastic pitch. They want to keep their plastic pitch. You just have to say no. There's a number of reasons I think that. Number one, I think it looks absolutely terrible from a point of view of selling yeah. the league. Yeah. 
Number two, I do think it gives the club an advantage that has that pitch because they get used to playing on it, whereas other players come on it and try it for the first time and it's, it's quite different. Yeah. And I also think there's uh, we talked a lot about sport and integrity in Scotland over these last few years. And if you're given, uh, say, a club like Livingston, the advantage of not having to maintain a really good grass pitch, that's money that they have to spend on players that they don't really have. Yeah. Because the party, well, uh, obviously... I was going to say part of this, but they're not in the league. But, you know, the other clubs that are in the league around that area, uh, the Motherwells of this world, they, they have to spend money on that. That's money that Livingston aren't spending. So that's unfair. Yeah. And it needs to be a level playing field as far as I'm concerned. And that's before we even talk about the injuries that can happen. Uh, and I know there's been a lot of studies done. And uh, at the moment, you have to say that they're, they're, they're not proving anything. Um, but you just talk to any ex-pro if you talk to even guys like us who play five-a-sides and you yeah. come off these pitches, you, you've got sore joints. Yeah. So, to me, I think over the years, there will be evidence that comes out that suggests that these are these are a, a bad thing for your physical well-being. Uh, now, that, I might be proved wrong on that, but that's just my opinion based on what I've seen. I think you're right. When it comes to top-level games or top-level leagues in, in whatever country, I think you should be looking at grass pitches. I mean, I, re- I remember writing a, I wrote a column years ago when Rangers were in the, the lower leagues and Ali McCoyst and a couple of other Rangers players at the time were kind of moaning about the plastic pitches and it was becoming a kind of weekly, almost a weekly occurrence, no moaning about them because I think at that time, like say Anne and Montrose, just to name two, uh, certainly had the, the artificial surfaces at that time. Rangers were obviously playing these teams. And I wrote a piece saying that, no, they shouldn't be moaning about them because it's a one-off. No, these smaller clubs have every right to, if that's the best way, then make money. You no, know, if they can make it a community project or whatever, then, no, that was their right. And I kind of stick by that. No, if, you're a, if you were a Rangers player at that time, no, you're playing in Ibrooks every week. No, every now and again, if you need to go into an AstroTurf, you should be good enough to go and beat an Annan or a Montrose or whatever. However, now when I look at it, no, I didn't think back then that, no, fast forward a few years, we were going to have a quarter of the Scottish Premiership clubs having artificial surfaces. And I agree with you. I think it's twofold. Um, one is the... No aesthetic look of Scottish football when it's shown live on TV, no beamed all over the world. Some of these games, especially involving the old firm, and it looks really bad. I think the um, worst one is Hamilton in terms of how it looks because it's sort of luminescent green. Yeah, and it just it, it just reeks of small time. Yeah, I mean I thought Kelly is kind of widely regarded as one of the better ones. I yeah. think, but even then, well, they can play rugby on on Kelly's one. Yeah, so that shows you. I mean, it's got all the shock absorbing. Even then, then watching it on TV on on Sunday, you could see that it was different. And it was different for these Rangers players. I mean, guys like Goldson and that took a good kind of 15, 20 minutes, no, taking to adjust themselves in terms of controlling the ball, passing the ball. It was really noticeable in the first 15 minutes. See the moment when uh, Katic and I think it was, uh, is it. Bro- Brophy yep. um, had the clash of heads yep. I thought that was exactly because of the pitch you saw the way the ball bounced and they both sort of stopped because yep. they were expecting it to bounce higher and then both threw themselves towards the ball yep. 
And I don't think that clash of heads would have happened if it had been on a grass yeah. pitch. It certainly took, it was really noticeable the first 15, 20 minutes. If you watch the game again, Rangers, a lot of Rangers obviously had most of the ball, but a lot of their passes were short. The players couldn't quite work out the, you know, how hard they had to hit a pass. Yeah. They couldn't quite get the weight of the pass right. Eventually they did get it. I thought after kind of 15, 20 minutes, Rangers... No, really get into their stride and they looked like the team who were who were used to playing on it every every day. But you're right, you shouldn't have to you shouldn't really have to go to a ground and it takes twenty minutes to, to get used to the used to the surface. So as I say, I, I now my opinion now is that yeah, top flight games it should be a prerequisite that you have to have a you have to have a grass pitch. Um the Livingston one where Rangers will go in a few weeks. <laughs> on the TV looks horrific. Um, now, but, but in saying that, I spoke. I did a piece last week with Stephen Lawless, who plays with Livy. And listen, he might be a bit biased because he's he's with the club and he's playing on it every second week. But he was adamant that look, no, he's saying look, it looks bad because of the black rubber pellets. Yeah. But it's because it's new. Eventually, no, that will that will go away. And he he claims that the the Levy one does have the shock absorbers underfoot, and it's one of the kind of softest, comfiest ones he's he's played on. So I would need to try it out for myself. But but you're talking about no even us playing five asides. I mean, I I actually did my cruciate on AstroTurf um, playing six aside football, and it was a classic. Case of the stud catching in the uh, catching in the. Not how to do with those bacon rolls, everyone. No, 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 nothing at all. I was flying that day as well. <laughs> uh, the studs catching in the turf, oh. and I know people will say, <clears throat> "No, these injuries can happen in grass." Well, of course they can in in different circumstances, but there is definitely an argument. You no, know, when you're wearing these studs or blades, because of the way the astro turf is. The, the the stud can catch in the in the artificial surface. I think far easier far easier than it, than it can in, in grass. Friend of the pod, Alex Ray, was talking about this on a uh, an unnamed radio right. station the other night when he was talking about. Um, he said a lot of footballers he thinks wear the wrong footwear and you should wear like your Puma King type moldies. That the, the mold is all in in one rather than blades because yep. blades catch yeah, yeah. In, 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 in it. And it can cause uh, knee injuries. In terms of the game itself, I mean, the two names that just jump out for me, Tavernier with three assists, Morelos with three goals, outstanding for both both of them in, in an attacking sense. And Morelos, Scott, a player that we were criticising probably at the start of the season in terms of the European games because he just didn't look right, yep. seems to have got himself right back in the mood, right back in form. And I don't know if it's man management, but his body language... His entire demeanour seems to have changed from... Well, he's turned his frown upside down, hasn't he? I think it is management, uh, man management, Johnny. That it can be the only explanation. I mean, we we knew that <clears throat> Alfredo Morelos had real qualities and attributes that we spoke about at the start of last season. Um, no, a nightmare for centre-halves to deal with. His physicality, his movement, um, his strength... Um, and he showed those qualities when he first came in, obviously, and went and went in a good run of scoring goals. But nobody can deny that from January onwards, uh, he just wasn't the same player. Whether his head was turned by the by the interest in him from from China or or wherever else, 
who knows, but he certainly didn't look happy. Um, maybe it was the the kind of turmoil at the club in terms of no real manager in there, Graham Murty coming in no, on a pretty much a temporary basis. But I look at Morelos now and it seems to me, uh, and I might well be wrong, he looks like a guy who has been basically grabbed by Steven Gerrard at some point for a one-to-one and basically has been told in no uncertain terms that um, he hasn't been producing, his performances haven't been good enough and if he ever wants a move away from Rangers or if he ever wants to make big money at a top level, he had to get his had to get his act together and clearly Gerard has asked him to do certain things, particularly off the ball in terms of his work rate and you know, filling in gaps and running out of channels that an unhappy striker wouldn't fancy doing, but Morelos is, is doing it. And whatever Gerard has said to him, Morelos is, is bought into it because his performances um, in the last four or five games have been outstanding. He's discovered the, that kind of goal-scoring touch again. I think a big difference I've noticed in these early games He's spending a lot more time in the box, which he was doing at the start of last season, but by the end of it was drifting everywhere, getting into positions where you don't really want him to be. I don't think he's technically gifted enough to drop deep and go wide and you know, build attacks from, from outside the box. I think he's got I think Gerard's drilled into him that you no, know, your best work has to be done within that eighteen yard box. And I don't think it's any coincidence that a lot of the goals he scored so far this season, especially when you look at uh, Sunday, you know, two of the goals are, are pretty much in the six-yard box. He should have had three if inside the six-yard box if the the linesman had had been doing his job properly and given the given the early goal uh, that get cleared off the off the line. So there's been a marked improvement in Morelos and <clears throat> no, as well as the other good things that Gerard has clearly done since he came in. No, getting getting a tune out of Morelos has, has been one of the big ones. And Tavernier's delivery, especially I think for the third goal, he's found by Arfield, who I thought had a great game as well. Yeah. And uh, just one touch in, at the inside of his foot just clips it beautifully for him. And and, I, and I, such a potent attacking weapon for Rangers. Yeah. I think T- Tavernier looks now like he's got his confidence back. I think you're still using the French the French pronunciation. I never know. What, what, I, I think he he I said I himself it's Tavernier, Tavernier, right? not the French Tavernier. That's difficult for a guy for Casmok to <laughs> to say. Um, no, it just looks as if he's got his confidence back. Playing like Morelos, playing with a smile on his face. I think a very simple thing is that he's playing with better players at the back. Yeah. No, he he can now bomb on. Know, and get involved in things and not have to worry know, a lot of the time about what's behind them. You've got Golds and Katic, Flanagan, Arfield covering in, know, wingers that are willing to, know, willing to track back and cover if he if he he's, overlaps. He's picking, his, he's picking and choosing though now. He is. Because you saw him in the away games, he did get forward occasionally, but he's he's very, very selective about when he's going. Yep. And I yep. think Gerard's drilled it into him about what's expected. Yep. I totally agree with you that he's got people dropping in and covering in and the midfield's much more organised in yeah. terms of covering for Tavernier. But he himself is being much more intelligent about when he bombs on. He is. And there's still, listen, there's still room for improvement in terms of 
no, he, he could still be prone to, to costing you one because on, on Sunday, no, he needlessly lost the ball in the corner flag for the Kelly goal. No, I know it was seconds after that. No, Kelly had to get up the pitch, switch play, and Arfield's defending, one-to-one defending was really poor on, on Jordan Jones. Uh, even when he gets by Arfield, Tavernier should have went should I get closer to him uh, and stopped him getting the getting the cross in? But it all came from him losing the ball down in the corner flag uh, pretty needlessly. So yeah. there's still wee bits of his game that 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 has to improve. But certainly he started the season brilliantly. The delivery and the accuracy and the quality of his his crosses and his passing, I don't think has ever really been in in any doubt. I mean, I think everyone has always known that. No, he's got that, and he's in his locker. It was the defensive side that people were questioning, mm. but I think you've hit the nail on the head. He's now, no, he's he's picking and choosing when to go, which means he can be a bit more disciplined uh, when he stays, and he can be a bit more potent when he when he goes back. Um, Another good result, Scott. It is. I was just going to say. I mean, you've you've picked out those two. The guy I would pick out um, after. Morelos and Taverni is Andy Halliday, who I thought was excellent on Sunday for a guy who has been pilloried by no Rangers fans, fans of other clubs. We spoke in depth at the time about how I thought uh, Halliday had been really harshly treated, particularly by Graham Murty when he pulled him off in the, the Celtic game during the first half at Hamden. Uh, that could have been the end for Andy Halliday at Rangers. I think if you asked Rangers fans, 80%, 90% would have, would have thought he's finished, he'll go elsewhere. But I think he deserves great credit for you know, going in pre-season with Gerrard, clearly impressing him, not just with his ability, but his attitude, his work ethic. Um, I don't think under Steven Gerrard he's ever going to be a... No, a first name in the team sheet, a regular starter, because there's other midfielders there who have been brought in, no real quality midfielders. But I think he's he's proved in the last couple of games that he can he can still do a job for Rangers. And like I'm saying about Taverni, on Sunday, Halliday had his confidence back again. No, looked like the guy who, when he arrived in the Championship under Mark Warburton, was controlling the the tempo of games and that in that anchor position in midfield um, and I was just really no, really pleased for him as a guy and a, as a as a player that he's stuck at it and no, hopefully he'll get he'll get some rewards now 3-1 victory another domestic good result at what point are Rangers fans entitled to get excited listen they'll be excited already you know that Um they're very excited, but I think they just need to hold off slightly because the next two to three weeks are massive. And it sounds uh, crazy you know, making that statement when we're only you know, two games into a league season. But in the next couple of weeks, Rangers have got the Russian side um twice in the Europa League playoff, which will obviously determine whether they get into the group stages and get the we'll get the financial reward that goes with that. Uh, and if listen, let's be honest, no, when Rangers were getting into the first qualifying round, if anybody had said 
<coughs> they'll go straight through and make it into the group stage. Oh, I remember at the time People we discussed it. We discussed it, yeah, the, and the we stats. said that there was. I think there's three clubs out of eighty six have yeah. done it, and on top of that, well, obviously <laughs> that in itself shows you how unlikely it is. Um, and on top of that, you've got bedding in the new players, bedding in the new manager. So I think we discussed it, and the expectation that we both had was that if Rangers get past the second yep. game, they'll be doing fantastic, yep. and they can say job done. Definitely, uh, sort of exceeded expectation again. If they get to the the group stage, it would be a remarkable achievement, irrespective of what you think of the clubs they've had to play against in these four rounds. It would be a, an incredible feat for Gerard and those players, as you say, players that he's he's had to cobble together in a, a pretty short space of time. So they've got that on the horizon, but also they've got away games at Motherwell and Celtic Park. Being the being the big one on on September September second, and I think, no, if we're being honest, it will be after that Celtic game that no, that will determine whether Rangers fans can get properly excited about about what's going to happen this season. So if Rangers are through to the Europa League group stage and have beaten Motherwell and Celtic, I can't even imagine what the fever pitch is going to be. Yeah, exactly. Um, listen, I mean. I think they'll be looking to get past Ufa in this Europa League. I mean, I don't I, think any team for Russia will be poor, right? That's what I, I'm concerned about, Scott, yeah. because I think there is a there is a sense there is that, that this is going to be a fait accompli. And it, for me, it's slightly worrying that the fans, in terms of their Twitter presence, seem to see this as such an easy tie. Yeah. It is a Russian side. And if they were not called FC Ufa yeah. and they were called Lokomotiv Moscow... Yeah it would be entirely different. And I worry that it's that Scottish thing of going, well, we haven't heard of them, so they can't be any good. Yeah. You just look through their squad. I mean, it's not filled with, with players that you know, but there are players with significant international experience. Bojan Jokic has got 90 caps for Slovenia at left back. He's not bad. The boy in midfield is very, very quick. Sylvester Igburn, he's got caps for Nigeria. So... Th- it's not like they don't have any quality in there. No. They do. The, listen, the Rangers fans are encouraged by the fact that Ufa struggled to beat Progress in the last the last round. I mean, because I think every Rangers fan, despite what happened a year ago, see Progress as a team that should have been uh, that should have been beaten quite comfortably. <coughs> so the fact that Ufa have struggled in two legs to get past them would suggest that Rangers have got a no, Rangers have got a good chance. Um but as you say, they're a Russian side. They won't be no, they won't be mugs. Rangers have obviously picked up a couple of a couple more injuries, Murphy being the being the big one. So it's by no means done, but they have a golden opportunity now to get the group stage. And in terms of the league <coughs> if they could get to the group stage, if they could beat Motherwell and Dundee and come away for Celtic Park with anything. No, it, it wouldn't need to be a, a victory, but if they came away for Celtic Park with, with even a point, having having played well or you know, ground it out, even defended well as they as they have been doing obviously the last few weeks, then it'll be a it'll have been an unbelievable start to, to Gerard's reign as manager. Okay, well, that's going to be all from us today, Scott. Um, We're going to be back next midweek with more news and analysis of all things Rangers. We might even be back before that to analyse 
that uh, European tie, but we'll see how things go. If you want to get in touch with us to continue the debate, you can by tweeting us at Record Sport or me directly at Johnny R. McFarlane or Scott at Scott McDermott 8. Don't forget to subscribe at iTunes or Acast to get the podcast as soon as it becomes available. And if you liked it, do us a turn and review and rate us on there too. Thanks for listening. <laughs>